and your goodness. We rejoice that you left the comforts of heaven to come and be rejected by your own, to come and seek and save that which was lost. And so I pray that story does not get old for us, certainly that its um, familiarity does not rob us of the wonder here tonight. We're grateful, Lord, that you have um, prepared us for this evening. We're grateful that you have brought us, brought us through um, a great journey of Advent. We're grateful that it culminates in the coming of your son, Jesus. Prepare our hearts now as we receive your word in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can be seated there. Um, it's a full room, which uh, is great. Always a full room, usually Christmas, Christmas Eve. There are some, um, some chairs a little bit further up if you, uh, if you need some space. So I can see some here in the middle and, of course, in the front on both sides. So if you need a little extra space, feel free to uh, move to where you need to be. Hey, so are you, are you catching the story that's being told? Uh, we don't just read the scriptures to read the scriptures. We're reading the scriptures, particular scriptures, even not starting in A, the, the A part of the scriptures, but the B part of the scriptures, because there's a, a particular, a specific story that's being told here this evening on this Christmas Eve. Um, we have been journeying as a church through Advent. It started four weeks ago, and we're lighting these candles. Uh, we did this every week, uh, one candle at a time until the fire begins to rage on. In the, e in the ending of our gathering tonight, the fire will rage on even more when we invite our five-year-olds to come up and play with fire, and then hand you fire, and it's going to be great. It's fine. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. So it's going to work out great. Tonight, we're talking about the light of Christmas, and I want to ask you a question. What difference does Christmas make? Like when you think about it, what difference does Christmas make? You may be journeying uh, with the Lord. I remember my first Christmas as a believer, and it was different than, say, this Christmas, which is not my first Christmas as a believer. And I can kind of uh, compare it to the experience that we probably all have, have had this Christmas season. Um, the first time that you went on a hayride in Pecan Grove, it was magical, wasn't it? Like the first time you went, it was, it was glorious, and you thought to yourself, like, we're doing this every year. Every turn was anticipation, and for whatever reason, Pecan Grove has decided to, to celebrate Christ's coming with dinosaurs and minions and Star Wars, all things that I know remind me of that uh, gospel story. Um, and yet here we are, right? I remember the first time we did it, it was magical. And yet the 15th time we did it, which was this year, um, we borrowed a friend's golf cart and we said, wow, let's get this done early so we don't have to fight the traffic like old people and let's go home and just get to bed early, shall we? It became something practical, like going through a, a drive-through almost, um, and seeing, yes, there's the Minion House, yep, there's the Star Wars House, yep, there's all the dragons, and there's a few others along the way, I'm sure, are, you've, you've done a great job in Pecan Grove, I know uh, we all do our best to put our best out for our neighbors. But, um, if we're not careful, the Christmas story can kind of seem like the 15th drive through Pecan Grove on a hayride. At some point, you just kind of start to only taste the fumes of the diesel, and you wonder where the magic went. And you kind of wonder, like, what really is this all about? So truly, what is, what difference does Christmas make for you? Like, we, we, we come to this point in the movie, right, 
We come to the point in the movie, um, and we've, we've seen it a, a thousand times. We know that Buddy is going to yell Santa as soon as he says, 10 a.m., Santa's coming. We know that Clark is going to go overboard with the lights. We know that Fragile actually isn't Italian. We know all those things, and yet, I don't know about you, but I have found myself searching looking for those TV shows, those movies from my childhood, trying to pass it on to my kid's childhood, and on and on we go. There's something familiar about it, and yet we want to keep dialing in. We want to keep watching. We want, to, we want to keep remembering what is familiar, and I'm inviting you to not let familiarity breed contempt, to not let familiarity rob you of wonder. But let some familiarity just draw you closer to gaze, to slow down, to look with fresh eyes at a familiar story. And I hope that you've seen that. At the end of the song, we started with his power and his glory evermore be proclaimed. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about in the scriptures tonight. Would you believe that I have only one verse to read to you tonight? Would you also then believe? that I will be done in 20 short minutes. I wouldn't either. But we're going to give it a shot, all right? So the scripture I want to read to you tonight is from a random place in the Bible, but I think it's helpful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It should come up on the screen, maybe. If it doesn't, it's very short. It won't take long to read. You'll be able to take it in. Here's what 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ for God who said let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus the Christ if we're going to take in the familiarity uh, or the familiar story with fresh eyes, I think we have to do a couple of things. The first thing is remember God's power. This is just, um, that verse is just going to be our outline in three parts uh, for our evening tonight. And so first, like, remember God's power. It is God who said, let light shine out of the darkness. And it's a fitting place for us to start our evening tonight. The first verse that we read as a church in 2022 was Genesis 1, chapter 1. And so it's, it's this passage that Paul is pointing us back to when we start to think about when Jesus came to earth. He says, remember that God is the one who spoke light into being. When we think about Jesus coming, Start there by remembering his power right there in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. If you remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and there was darkness over the face of the deep. And then the Lord said, let there be light. In a chaotic, dark nothing, that is where God did his most powerful work when he said, let there be light. Light. If we think about God's power, don't just stop at creation. Carry on with me into the, into the story, into the, into the prophets. We already read it tonight. I'll read it again. There was a prophecy given 700 years before this baby was born. And that prophecy said this in Isaiah 9 too, The people who walked in darkness 
Remember that you once walked in darkness. This wasn't just a historical reality for Israel. This is for all humanity. humanity, That you once walked in darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. You lived there. On them has light shone. It's not just power and creation. It's this beautiful fulfillment and this power and fulfilling prophecy. It takes a powerful God to orchestrate all of history to all of a sudden find its fulfillment in this baby boy in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. But it's not just prophecy. The same God who created, listen y'all, the same God who created the stars and the moon and the sun and this world and a thousand others stepped into this dark world. And when he did, when baby Jesus became an adult, he proclaimed this over us. In John 12, yes, if he would have screamed, that would have been better. I have come into this world as light. Are you seeing the theme? So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I don't know what your 2022 is like. I don't know what your Christmas plans have been like. It seems like there's always something to ruin a Christmas Eve or a Christmas Day plan. I don't know what darkness you've been in, if at all, if you've experienced confusion from darkness, because when I'm in the dark, I'm confused. I'm immediately disoriented. If you've been disoriented, Jesus came to bring clarity. If you have stayed in the cold, we all have experienced this. We're not so much worried about our, our, our pipes bursting during the daytime when we're all up and moving around, but when it's the coldest at night, we worry about such things. But Jesus has brought his nearness to bear upon us. If you've been afraid in the dark in 2022, our God has brought the light, which John says shines in the darkness. And good news, friends, the darkness has not overcome it. I don't know what you're dealing with, but the good news of the gospel, the fulfillment of this moment is that the light has come and the darkness has not, will not, and cannot overcome this light. Remember God's power. Remember it. If we're, if we're going to float through Pecan Grove, let's remember God's power on this night. At Christmas, God wraps up all that power into one baby boy to rescue us from the darkness. Let us not just remember power. Let us also remember the light that Jesus has shown in our hearts. This isn't just light somewhere out there. This isn't just light that shone 2,000 years ago. This isn't just light on a bulb somewhere. No, this is something that has happened internally for everyone who believes, and God invites for everyone who has not yet believed. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, again, 4, verse 6. For God, we skip that first part, has shown in our hearts. He has shown in our hearts. Christmas loses its power. If we only look at the moment in history, in a, in a land far, far away called Israel, in a time beyond a, like any relatability at all, it loses all of its power if we just keep it there. But if we would bring it here and remember, it wasn't just light in a dark world, it was light in your dark heart. 
I share with you the story of my oldest daughter when she came to faith some years ago on December the 3rd. I remember sitting in her room, and I remember having multiple conversations with her, my wife and I both having multiple conversations with her, super concerned about her. She was just in a bad place. She said in the moment, or in, that, in those moments, my heart is dark. She's 10 years old, 9 years old. My heart is dark. And I remember having a conversation with her up in her room one evening when she talked about, my heart is dark, I just don't see him, all I see is black, all I see is darkness, and I began to read the scriptures to her. Just very patiently, I think the Lord just entered into that place for both of us, because I remember telling her, well, if all you see is darkness, God is the light. First John 1.5 says, God is light. In fact, that God is so powerful, that light is so full on hot, that darkness, as I just said, cannot and will not overcome it just like it says in John 1. And so pure, it's not just powerful, it is so pure that there is no darkness in God at all. No hint of evil whatsoever in our God. And then I looked at her and I said, Jesus has come to rescue you from the darkness. He's come to bring you from the darkness and into the light. And so if all you're seeing is dark, and if all you feel is the coldness of a dark heart, Jesus stands ready to receive you and invite you into the light. I read John 3.19 to her, and I said, The light has come into the world, and people, though, loved the darkness. And I said to her, Sweet girl, you don't have to love the darkness anymore. The reason why you see it, that's all you see is you've been in it for a long time. You don't have to love the darkness anymore. Jesus wants you to come out of the cold, dark night and now be warmed by the gospel of truth and her light. And she just looked at me and her eyes became alive for the first time and her heart warmed to the gospel. And all she could simply say to me was, I believe, I believe, I can see it. You see, that's the same thing that if you are a believer, it has happened to you. And if you're not a believer, Jesus stands ready. Don't just read John 3, 16. Read the rest of that passage. It's beautiful and powerful. When he says, I will bring you out of the darkness and into the light. And then it says, but the people love the darkness. Don't love the darkness anymore. Remember that God has shown a great light, the great light of his son Jesus into your heart. And that is a gift. There's millions, billions, dare I say trillions of people do not know this truth, have not known this truth. What a beautiful picture of Christmas. Let us not get so wrapped up in the familiarity that we forget how absolutely foreign it truly is. And what a gift of God's grace it is that he's shown his light, not just in history, not just in creation, but in your heart, if you would believe. Whatever darkness you have dabbled into, in this season of 2022, whatever rebellion you're plotting for 2023, God is beckoning you to just get warmed up by the fire of his great light, the light of his son Jesus, for he has shown in your heart or desires to shine in your heart. And I don't know where you stand, but it's a great invitation to remember in this season alone. Now, friends, if we lose heart along the way, which we will, you'll lose heart along the way, won't you? When you got halfway through that hayride, 
You started to lose heart. You're like, how long are we going? I mean, we only paid this guy 20 bucks. We just can't be that long or however much you pay. I don't know. But nonetheless, you may lose heart along the way. If you do, when you do, look for God's glory. We sing about it. Power and glory. We start with power. We end with glory. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. This God who has shown in our hearts, he had a purpose. He had a purpose when he shined the light of the gospel in your heart. And that purpose is this, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in one place, in the face of Jesus Christ. We live in a world that is infatuated with image. We live in a world that is infatuated with knowledge and yet claims zero certainty. Do we not? And Jesus came not just to provide warmth and light, peace and chaos, power and weakness, but to deliver and reveal the truth of a mystery long hidden that we might know, that we might have the knowledge of the glory of God in one place, in the face of Jesus the Christ. You ever think, man, why is he talking about the face of Jesus? Not the works of Jesus, not the resurrection of Jesus, in the face of Jesus. This is where maybe you, you came in late in that, in that movie, and you've only really, really focused on, say, the New Testament, like the second half of that movie, or you're like, you're just thinking, like, this is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, I, I didn't watch the first one, but I caught the last one, and it was okay, but you missed all the struggle and the slowness of the first one, right? I'm going to catch you up on the first one then because there's some beauty in this little detail of the face of Jesus Christ. There's a guy named Moses back in Exodus. If you remember Moses, um, our students, our church will read through the book of Exodus, study through the book of Exodus in this next year. As they do, they'll come upon this story where, where Moses is shown all sorts of miraculous deeds by God, right? When you think about someone who saw God do amazing things, you see Jesus, and then you see Moses. Like Moses saw the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues in Israel. He saw amazing things. And as he's walking with God and he's leading God's people in the desert for 40 years, he just starts to forget. He starts to grow weary. He actually tells the Lord, like, if you're going to make me lead these people, just go ahead and kill me. Kind of fascinating that that's in the Bible to me. What's also in the fascinating in the Bible to me is in Exodus 33, Moses asks to see God's glory. And what does God tell him? God tells him in Exodus 33, he says, look, I'll show you a little bit of me, but you can't handle to look at my glory. No one has seen the face of God and lived. And so God comes down, right, and he, he puts Moses in the cleft of a rock, and he passes by him, but all that Moses can see is his back. If he showed him his face, he would have killed Moses. And yet when Moses comes down from that mountain, do you remember the story? Moses' face, it was glowing, like, I don't know what you do when you read passages like that in the Bible, but I just go, this is the craziest thing I've ever read. Like, I just got to keep going. Surely Frodo's going to make it. 
Like, it's amazing to me that his face is glowing and he has to wear a veil because it's too much for the people. The people cannot handle the shining face of Moses. And you're going, what? Okay, great. What does it have to do with this? Well, just a chapter ahead in 2 Corinthians, it says this about Moses and his face. And he comes down and it tells this story about Moses who has a veil on over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. And then it says this in verse 16. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That thing that was guarding Israel from the glory of God, that when we come to Jesus, when we know for certain that the glory of God has been made known in the face now of Jesus, the veil is removed and we are no longer under a death sentence. We are no longer those that Jesus would have had to kill, God would have had to kill because he showed himself to them. Now in God's grace, he shows himself to us in his son Jesus, and he takes the death penalty for us. You see, God's glory is made manifest. It is on full blast. We've tried to put these on a dimmer for the last three weeks. It's never worked because it's been blinding people. Sorry about it. At the same time, what a great representation of the glory of God. These candles, just one by one, lighting little by little, that we would see God's glory. We would see his beauty even more over time. There is something greater that has come. Christmas is when the glory of God can now be seen. Its power and its purpose has now been harnessed into one tiny vessel baby Jesus, who grew up and became a man. And though he was sent from heaven to a cradle, he was also sent to a cross, where he would die for those in the dark to invite them into the light and away from evil. And that same Jesus will come again, not into a cradle and certainly will not hang on a cross. Those days are over. He will come and he will wear a crown. And then, when he comes wearing that crown and the new dawn is upon us with that crown on King Jesus' head, he will make all things right that were wrong. He will make new all things that became old and died. And he truly will establish his reign and his rule forever. What difference does Christmas make? I would say all the difference in the world if we would stop and gaze at it properly. See it in its beauty, see it in its brilliance, because in that brilliance and splendor, God has now been made available to the wanderer, to the shepherd in the field, to the foreign kings who had no business knowing the gospel, to the paralytic, to the blind, to the mute, to the demoniac, to the mentally oppressed, to the depressed, to the terminally ill, to the bored suburbanite, to the adolescent who's just trying to find meaning and purpose in this world, to the middle-aged couple who just can't seem to get along. Jesus has come and made grace available to you. And we should shout and say amen. This is no ordinary night. 
This is a night when God became flesh to save those who would have nothing to do with him. Praise be to God, and let us rejoice. Let me pray. Our Father, we're grateful. Grateful that we have a new perspective into an old story. I pray, Lord, that every hayride, every bulb, every candle that will be lit here in just a moment remind us of the gift that we have. The absolute certainty, 100% knowledge, which has been cemented in our hearts by the great light Jesus, the promised one. Our God, help us remember this. We are grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we sing, I want to do something that we usually do. If you're five years old, come and play with fire with Pastor Lance. Five years old. I need all the five-year-olds. If we don't have enough five-year-olds, we'll go up to six. Six.